Good evening. Can I give you all a very warm welcome to this joint communion service tonight? A welcome to those of you who come from the United Reformed Church, from St Andrews and London Road Methodist Church, from further afield, and those of you who belong here at Brighton Road Baptist Church. The, the words of the songs and the hymns we're going to sing are on the screen. If you'd like a printed copy, we do have printed copies of the words. Nigel, if you could raise your hand and Nigel will get you a printed copy of the words. I think we're going to be all right. Oh, there's one over there. Alison would like one, please, Nigel. Otherwise, okay. Thank you. We begin with some words from, from John chapter 1. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of So let us pray. Lord our God, when we were nothing, you made us something. When we had no name and no faith and no future, you sent your Son to die to save us to make us your children. And along the line, when we've lost our way or turned our backs on you, you have not abandoned us. And when we return to you, your arms open wide in welcome. And we thank you that as Jesus sat round a table with his friends on the night before he died, you are present with us as we gather in this place, giving us not just bread, not just wine, but your very self. Open our hearts that we may be filled, forgiven, healed, blessed, and made new again. You are worth all our pain and all our praise. And so in gratitude we join our voices with those of the church on earth and in heaven as we say together the words on the screen. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Can I invite you to stand and we'll sing together the hymn, My Song is Love Unknown.
We're going to be following the story tonight of Jesus last night with his disciples and the first part of the Good Friday story. And our readings tracing those events will be taken from the Gospel of Luke. After each of those readings from Luke, we'll extinguish one of the candles and one of the sets of lights the lights in church will be dimmed. This will remind us of the gathering darkness of Good Friday as we progress through the service. It's a darkness that came over Jesus with the flight of the disciples, the bitter hatred of his enemies, and the looming shadow of the cross. At the end, when the last candle has been extinguished, that moment of total darkness recalls the time when he was in the tomb. And this will mark the end of the service. At that point, we invite you to leave the church in silence. After a moment or two, we will switch the lights on outside so you can see your way safely out of the building. But our first reading is taken from Luke chapter 22, verses 1 to 6. Passover was approaching, and the chief priests and teachers of the law were looking for some way to get rid of Jesus, for they were afraid of the people. Then Satan entered Jesus, called Iscariot, one of the twelve. And Judas went to the chief priests and the officers of the temple guard and discussed with them how he might betray Jesus. They were delighted and agreed to give him money. He consented and watched for an opportunity to hand Jesus over to them when no crowd was present. Lord our God, you keep covenant with us, your people. We thank you that Jesus did not turn back from the road that led to the cross. That though he was aware of one who would betray him, he did not flinch from the path that lay ahead of him. Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness to us through your Son, Jesus Christ. That you keep faith with us, even if we lose faith with you. Thank you for your goodness, for your mercy, for your grace. Thank you for Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. Thank you for his ministry. When we were hungry and without food, he, he fed and healed us. When we were ignorant, he taught us. When we were sick, he touched us with healing. 
when enslaved to demons he set us free. Your son embodied your sovereign rule all the way to certain death. Yet he did not back down. And though it's the ugliness of our sin that has marred creation and killed innocent people and caused slavery, thank you for your grace. Your undeserved goodness to us. Thank you for being the God who makes and keeps covenants with godless people. Amen. The second of our readings from Luke chapter 22, verses 7 to 18. Then came the day of unleavened bread, on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, Go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. Where do you want us to prepare for it, they asked. He replied, As you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him to the house that he enters, and say to the owner of the house, The teacher asks, where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large upper room, all furnished. Make preparations there. They left and found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. stand and we'll sing together, Lord Jesus Christ, you have come.
this communion table is the table not of the church, but of the Lord. And it's prepared for those who love Jesus and who want to love him more. So whether you have much faith or little, Jesus welcomes you to this table. If you've been here often, or if you haven't been for a long time, Jesus welcomes you to this table. If you've tried to follow and failed, Jesus welcomes you to this table. Because Christ died for sinners. And it's not I who invites you, but it is our Lord. And it's his will and purpose that those who want him should meet him here tonight in bread and wine. So let's listen to the words he said to his disciples on that first night of the Last Supper. This is my body, given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. But the hand, him who is going to betray me is with mine on the table. <coughs> the Son of Man will go as it has been decreed, but woe to that man who betrays him. They began to question among themselves which of them it might be who would do this. to come and join me to serve the food. Lord, we, we put ourselves in the shoes of those first disciples and confess that we wouldn't have done any better. You know our weakness. You know our waywardness. You know how our courage fails us in times of testing. 
we come to this table because we need your forgiveness. And thank you that this table is here because we need your forgiveness. Thank you for paying the price. Thank you that your grace covers our sin. That your steadfast love for us does not waver for a moment, even though ours is all over the place sometimes. As we receive this bread and wine, we receive them from you as tokens of your grace. We worship you and we thank you. precious name. Amen. And we pray upon the Lord Jesus on the night in which he was betrayed, took bread and broke it and said, this is my body. It's given for you. Jesus invites you to eat, to remember, and to receive his love afresh into your life. Each remembering that Christ died for you, and we thank you. We eat the bread as we receive it. After they'd eaten, Jesus took the cup and said, this cup which is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. The covenant that assures us that God forgives our sins and remembers them no more. The covenant that assures us that we are his people and he is our God. He has bound us to himself through nothing less than the blood of his own son. And we affirm our place in his covenant by grace as we receive the cup. We keep the cup so that we can drink together in different fellowships as we are. Our drinking together is a sign of our oneness in Christ.
blood of Christ was shed for you. Thanks be to God. Lord our God, as we share the richness of your table, we cannot forget the rawness of the earth. We cannot take bread and forget those who are hungry. Your world is one world and we are stewards of its nourishment. Lord, put our prosperity at the service of the poor. We cannot take wine and forget those who are thirsty. The earth and its weary people cry out for justice. Lord, put our fullness in the service of the empty. We cannot hear your words of peace and forget the world at war particularly with the conflict in Ukraine. Bring peace, deliverance, and justice to that land, we pray. And we cannot celebrate the feast of your family and forget our divisions. We may be one in spirit on occasions like this, but history and hurt still dismember us. Lord, heal our church in every brokenness, that we may be channels of your healing to a broken world. For we ask it in your name, Lord Jesus Christ. Can I invite you to join with me in saying the words of the Lord's Prayer, the words are on the screen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. We take a break from Luke's narrative as we listen to John's account of that night from John chapter 13, verses 1 to 17. the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. The evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. 
Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped round him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, You do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you will never wash my feet. Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord Simon Peter replied, Not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, A person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth. No servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, our Lord and Redeemer. Amen. So you're going to wash my feet? There's a thought. My first introduction to kind of the practice of foot washing, uh, within the context of the service actually, kind of came late in my Christian journey. I was already ordained and in my second appointment before someone dared to suggest that we might do something like that. Uh, in fact, uh, I was uh, serving in a church on the West Rand and a Methodist colleague of mine who was into these weird things, 
together with a couple of Anglicans, um, there were four churches that we, we used to have a joint um, Holy Week. So each evening we would be in one of the churches for uh, a, a time of worship and reflection, and we would culminate with the Tenebrae service. And, um, yeah, church washing. Um, the feet kind of have a weird impact on us, don't they? You know, I'd rather keep mine covered and hidden away. Thanks, Jim. I mean, you know, there's, there's bunions and corns and, 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 well, there's perhaps odor, I don't know, you know, I, I don't know where they've been, what, but, I mean, we do, we have, we have a thing with feet, don't we? We don't, we don't really want anybody else fiddling with ours, now do we? Precious moments for me uh, on, in that whole journey and, and, and experience was one year um, my my mum and dad uh, were visiting us in Johannesburg and it was over Easter and mum came to the Tenebrae service and uh, after the four of us at the front had washed each other's feet. The invitation was extended to the congregation to come forward and um, have their feet washed. And my mother came and she made a beeline for me. <laughs> my mother passed into center. And this will remain one of my more cherished memories. I was able to kneel at her feet because she wanted that. She chose that. And it was, it is, a special moment of grace. I can imagine, though, that um, it was a somewhat more awkward around that table in that room. It wasn't really a table like we know a table. I mean, part of the, part of the, 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 the hygiene um, around dinner time, uh, and then we, we, we get told to go and wash hands, you know, send the kids off to wash their hands. Um, the, I don't know if you've heard that one of our minister's kid who were sent to go and wash hands and he stomped off shouting, germs of Jesus, germs of Jesus. I've seen neither in this house. <laughs> but we, 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 we wash our hands. Actually, they didn't sit at table. They reclined at table. They kind of leant in. And feet were in much closer proximity. They didn't have the comfort of um, closed shoes. Sandals, open sandals. The roads weren't covered in tarmac. Um, it was more like uh, yesterday afternoon when I went to collect Angela from um, the kids' play centre. With, no, she wasn't playing. She had taken our grandson 
um, and I went to go and fetch her, and I thought I'd take a shortcut. Oh, no. I didn't have my galoshes on. It was rather muddy and messy. And by the time I was done getting there, they needed an important part of the process. But nobody had thought to take care of it. And so you can always you can always sense the the real awkwardness in the moment when when Jesus gets up. Afterwards, he makes two comments. The first thing he says, do you understand what I have done for you? Do you understand what I have done doesn't question. One of my colleagues in South Africa, um, who has written quite largely uh, about things like this, Trevor Hudson, um, has a book entitled Questions God Asks Us. And this is one of those. And in his um, answer, he invites us to actually think beyond the personal hygiene element of it and to recognize the journey down is the way up. Jesus gets up from the table and he takes off. He takes off all the things that declare him to be a person of substance and status uh, at whatever level in society. And he takes on the vestige of a slave. So he, he, goes, he goes down. He goes down. He says, this is not beneath me. This is not beneath me. And I think the question that Jesus asked his disciples and asks us tonight is simply this. Do you understand what I have done for you? Because he has issued an invitation to each one of us. As much as he issued it in visible form, in parabolic form, in enacted form, 
to his disciples that evening around the table. He's inviting us. Do we understand what he has done for us? That he has, that he has shown us. His words, we, they, we know them, those things. If anybody wants to be great in the kingdom, they need to become the least. If you want to be first, you need to be last. If you want to enter the kingdom of, 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 of heaven, become like a child. Again and again, Jesus says those things, and he understood them. On this night, on this night, Jesus enacts another parable to invite us to consider not about us but about each other about one another about the other irrespective of who that other is are we able to take it all off and put it down and not stand on ceremony and not be dictated to by the norms and the forms of society. Are we willing to go with him into that place where the only thing that matters is to give ourselves for one another? Because the second thing he says when he has done all of that, he says, you call me teacher and Lord and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. See, Jesus isn't just intent that we get the message. And no... <laughs> as much as the ritual of foot washing within this sanctified and sanitized context might be a nice thing to do, he's inviting us to go so, so, so much further. One of the more challenging things that Jesus says on his way to the cross is that if we want to keep our lives we need to lose them. If we want to live we need to die. If you want to follow me take up your cross. And th those, those aren't words of invitation to put up with some kind of um, strife or struggle in life. They uh, aren't an invitation to, to put up with some, something that we have to bear in life. They are an invitation for 
for us to actually give ourselves up. To let it go. In the same way that he let himself go. It was just before the feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and to go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. The evening meal was being served and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of, son of Simon, to betray him. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, that he had come from God and was returning to God. So, Jesus knows who he is. Jesus knows whose he is. And in the confidence of that knowledge, Nothing is too big or too small for him to do. Nothing is too small like washing disciples' feet. Nothing is too big like offering himself in obedience to the Father, in obedience to love, in order to show and reveal to us the full extent of God's love for us. I believe that that's what he calls us to do. That's the example he has set. He wants us to understand and to know without any shadow of a doubt, to know without any hesitation whose we are. Sons and daughters of the living God. To know who we are. Created in the image of the one eternal God. Breathed with the very breath of life that flows from God. Indestructible. Ultimately, yes. Indestructible. in that confidence he wants us to set the other things aside and follow him in this path of serving sacrificial love in order that we might reveal reveal the presence of God the presence of Christ the presence of the transforming and healing and liberating love that this weekend is all about in the world today. So that so that resurrection will happen. Not, not just something that we celebrate as a past event. But that we will know it, we will see it we will acknowledge it, we will recognize it, we will celebrate it in 
our lives here now today. Amen. Thank you very much. Can I invite you to stand and we'll sing together meekly.
story continues in Luke chapter 22, verses 24 to 38. Also a dispute arose among them as to which of them was considered to be the greatest. Jesus said to them, The kings of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. But you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among, among you should be like the youngest, and the one who rules like the one who serves. For who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who is at the table? But I am among you as one who serves. You are those who have stood by me in my trials. And I confer on you a kingdom, just as my father conferred one on me so that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. But he replied, Lord, I am ready to go with you to prison and to death. Jesus answered, I tell you, Peter, before the cock crows today, you will deny three times that you know me. Then Jesus asked them, When I sent you without purse, bag or sandals, did you lack anything? Nothing, they answered. He said to them, but now, if you have a purse, take it, and also a bag, and if you don't have a sword, sell your cloak and buy one. It is written, and he was numbered with the transgressors. And I tell you that this must be fulfilled in me. Yes, what is written about me is reaching its fulfillment. The disciples said, See, Lord, here are two swords. That is enough for you tonight. Lord, we hear so many voices speaking to us. Voices of anger, of fear, of doubt, of pride. Help us to hear your voice your word of truth addressed to us. 
us better than we know ourselves. You know what we've done, you know what we will yet still do. Help us to hold on to your word of truth. And to shape and mould our lives around what you say to us. Not what others say. And amidst all the screams and silences of the cross, the events of Good Friday, may your voice come with clarity through it all. This we ask in your name, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Luke 22, verses 39 to 53. Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, Pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him, and being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. When he rose from prayer and went back to the disciples, he found them asleep, exhausted from sorrow. Why are you sleeping, he asked them. Get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. While he was still speaking, a cloud came up and the man who was called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. He approached Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus asked him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? When Jesus' followers saw what was happening, going to happen, they said, Lord, should we strike them with our swords? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his right ear. But Jesus answered, no more of this. And he touched the man's ear and healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priests, the officers of the temple guard, and the elders who had come for him, Am I leading a rebellion that you have come with swords and clubs? Every day I was with you in the temple courts, and you did not lay a hand on me, but this is your hour when darkness reigns. Stand and sing together the servant king.
narrative continues in Luke 22, verses 54 to 64. Then they seized him and led him away, bringing him into the high priest's house. But Peter was following at a distance. When they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat among them. Then a servant girl, seeing him in the firelight, stared at him and said, This man also was with him. But he denied it, saying, Woman, I do not know him. A little later, someone else, on seeing him, said, You also are one of them. But Peter said, Man, I'm not. Then about an hour later, yet another kept insisting, Surely this man also was with him, for he is a Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you are talking about. At that moment, while he was still speaking, the cock crowed. The Lord turned and looked at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said to him, Before the cock crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. No words, just an image and a screen. Express your own grief and sorrow and regret to God. Continue with Luke 22, verses 64. The men who were guarding Jesus began mocking and beating him. They blindfolded him and demanded, Prophesy, who hit you? 
and they said many other insulting things to him. At daybreak, the council of the elders of the people, both the chief priests and the teachers of the law, met together, and Jesus was led before them. If you are the Christ, they said, tell us. Jesus answered, If I tell you, you will not believe me. And if I asked you, you would not answer. But from now on, the Son of Man will be seated at the right hand of the mighty God. They all asked, Are you then the Son of God? He replied, You are right in saying, I am. And then they said, Why do we need any more testimony? We have heard it from his own lips. Then the whole assembly rose, and they led him off to Pilate. And they began to accuse him, saying, We have found this man subverting our nation. He opposes payment of taxes to Caesar, and he claims to be Christ, a king. So Pilate asked Jesus, Are you the king of the Jews? Yes, it is as you say, Jesus replied. Then Pilate announced to the chief priests and the crowd, I find no basis for a charge against this man. But they insisted. He stirs up the people all over Judea by his teaching. He started in Galilee, and he has come all the way here. On hearing this, Pilate asked if the man was a Galilean. When he learned that Jesus was under Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod, who was also in Jerusalem at that time. When Herod saw Jesus, he was greatly pleased because for a long time he had been wanting to see him. From what he had heard about him, he hoped to see him perform some miracle. He plied him with many questions, but Jesus gave him no answer. The chief priests and the teachers of the law were standing there, vehemently accusing him. Then Herod and his soldiers ridiculed and mocked him. Dressing him in an elegant robe, they sent him back to Pilate. That day, Herod and Pilate became friends. Before this, they had been enemies. Our last song for tonight is Come and See the King of Love.
our service concludes with the final reading for tonight from Luke's Gospel. Pilate called together the chief priests, the rulers, and the people, and said to them, you brought me this man as one who was inciting the people to rebellion. I have examined him in your presence and have found no basis for your charges against him. Neither has Herod, for he sent him back to us, as you can see. He has done nothing to deserve death. Therefore, I will punish him and then release him. With one voice they cried out, Away with this, this man, release Barnabas to us. Barabbas, or Barabbas, had been thrown into prison for an insurrection in the city and for murder. Wanting to release Jesus, Pilate appealed to them again, but they kept shouting, Crucify him! Crucify him! For the third time he spoke to them, Why? What crime has this man committed? I have found in him no grounds for the death penalty. Therefore, I will have him punished and then release him. But with loud shouts, they insistently demanded that he be crucified, and their shouts prevailed. So Pilate decided to grant their demand. He released the man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder, the one they asked for and surrendered Jesus to their will. 